been asked to speak. I've got 23 minutes left, which is a real challenge for me. Um, so I'm going to try and do this in the next 23 minutes to cap off this prayer. And over the last few weeks, we've had some great, I have to say, some great teaching. Um, we had Pastor Peter last week speaking about... Um, you know, um, taking your city in prayer. And one of the things Sarah spoke about and at the end of her preach was about having authority. You know, if we understand our authority, if we understand who we are in God, then we can understand the God who answers our prayers. Does that make sense? But if we don't know who we are, then, and we don't know who God is, then we'll struggle with that connection and belief that God will actually answer our prayers. So this morning, I, I want to speak a little bit on learning to grow in our God-given authority. Learning to grow. And, and I say that word at the beginning because we have to learn who we are. It doesn't happen overnight. We have to learn that we're loved. It doesn't happen instantly. It's like a child that's learning to walk. They don't walk straight away. It roughly takes 12 months, 18 months. For some children that it's more difficult, it takes longer. It doesn't happen overnight. And it's the same for me and you. Learning our God-given authority, we have to grow in it. Does that make sense? And I want to speak about that this morning. You know, I don't know about you, but have you ever, um, have you ever had a nickname? Anybody got a nickname in here? Don't shout them out because it might not be appropriate. There's a few kids in the room. I don't mean the bad nicknames. I mean, you must have been called, you know, a name at some point. You know, when I started school, somebody somewhere started this name for me. It's an obvious name, Dukesy, right? Paul Dukes, Dukesy. And then when I got probably, probably about seven, eight, it changed to Duker. I was like, well, where did that come from? Who decided who my name was? It became Duker. And then in the 80s, because I grew up in the 80s, there was an amazing program. All right? And some of you grew up in the 80s, you know what it would be. If you don't, Google it. They did a film about 10 years ago, a modern film. Google the Dukes of Hazard. Right? If you don't know what it is, some of you are lost. I can see. Google the Dukes of Hazard. He was the coolest guy on the planet. He was a bit of a rebel. He had a cool car and he used to bomb around this town. You know, it was, it was, it, and he used to rebel against the police, but he always did good things, but he was actually rebellious as well. And I thought I was the Dukes of Hazard. So I named myself the Dukes of Hazard. Right? So people used to call me something. Duke, Dukesy. And then I named myself. I'm the Dukes of Hazard. I used to walk around school and they're like, you're not the Dukes of Adam. You don't have a car. You look nothing like him, you know. But I thought I was the Dukes of Adam. And then when I got a little bit older and people asked me what my name was, they'd always spell it with a D. I'm like, no, it's a J. Does anybody have this problem? I have a wife who's spelt Sarah, S-A-R-A. Right? They always put a H on the end. I'm like, they're just trying to put the holiness of God in you, babe. It's all right. Chill out. Accept it. But you know, it's the bane of her life because everybody spells an A or calls her, or calls her Sarah. She's not Sarah. She's Sarah, church. Don't call her Sarah. All right? I've warned you, okay? But here's the deal. And people say to me, oh, with a, you spell it with a D. And I'm like, no, it's not D, it's a J. And I'd say I'm Dukes with a J without a D. And my street was Allington Close without the W. So I used to say, hey, what's your name? I'd say, I'm Dukes with a J from Allington, from Allington without, well, I'm the, sorry, I'm the Duke of Allington. Dukes with a J with, and Wellington without the W. That's what I used to say. And everybody still used to write Dukes with a D. You know, I used to say, I'm the Duke, I'm a Duke of Allington. That's who I thought I was. Anybody named themselves like that growing up thinking you were, or you thought you were Superman? 
I went to the cinema with my dad once, right? And he took me to the cinema. He went and we watched Superman. This is what I did. I was sitting down here at the front row, okay? Sorry, Jess. I sit in the front row. The film finishes. The credit comes up. I get my Parker coat. I fasten it round here. It's a cape behind. I run onto the stage. I'm running across the stage. I'm Superman. I jump off the head. My brother's 13. He's going, get down here now. I thought I was Superman. Anybody else felt like that? But you know, the only person who has the authority to name me was not my friends, was not even me, not even my past. You know, there are many names that we pick up in life. Lonely, disappointment, inadequacy. And we pick these up from experiences in life and they become labels on us and that's who we become. Does this make sense? Not good enough. Fearful. Shameful. Yet the only one who had the authority to name me were my parents. And they call me Paul. Which was interesting because all my life I was called Juxy. Juke, Juxy, Juxy, Juke. And I came to church, I became born again. I felt that my heart was changed. I, I felt like, you know, I'd got a past, but all of a sudden God was doing something new in my life and I felt different. And I came to church and somebody said to me, What's your name? And I went, I'm not Juxy. I'm Paul. And I like felt silly. I was like, my name's Paul. Oh, is he Paul? Oh, yeah. My mum called me Paul. I forgot all my life. I'm Paul. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm Paul. And then everybody started in church going, hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. And I'm like, oh, I'm Paul. I'm Paul. I'm Paul, everybody. This is my new name. No, it's not. Your mum and dad called you Paul. And why would I tell you that? Because this, God is the only one who has authority to name you. But we allow many things in life to name us. We allow our past, our experiences, even people that we hang around with, we get into groups and we get into you know, ways of life and then life becomes difficult and we wonder why we've ended up. I've ended up there in life. And then all of a sudden you feel trapped and you don't know who you are and you're lost in life. But God is the only one who has authority to name you. Now you can give other people permission authority, but God's the only one who really knows who you are. And when we give him permission to name us, that's when we discover who we are. That's when we discover the, the, the authority that God has given us to become who we are in God. And I'm asking you this morning, right? Who are you this morning? Who are you? Do you know who you are? Or has something else named you? Or has God named you? You see, I want to look at Judges chapter 6. Somebody who needed a name change. The, the, the people of Israel had been promised a promised land. They'd been taken out of Egypt. Joshua had taken them into the promised land. But then the people of God decided that really they didn't need God anymore and they forgot about him. So Judges chapter 6 verse 1 says this. That's the verse 11. We've got verse 1. It says this. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them, gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. 
So this is what happened. They decided or, you know, that for some reason they forgot who God was and they began to do it in their own strength. And what happened is the enemy came in and began to rob from them. And, he, and they used to have to run and hide in the clefts of the rock. And then when they came back down, the crops that they planted had all been taken away. So their lives then became unfruitful. And they were pov- impoverished. They were, they were starving. They had nothing. And then this is what happens. It says the people of God cried out for God. They cried out. Has anybody ever done that? You know, I had, I had an issue in my life. I lost my dad. I was in pain for many years. The, the pain of that suffering, I tried to drink alcohol to deal with the pain and it never did it. And I got to the point in my life where I'd had enough and I said, I'm going to kill myself because I hate, I hate the darkness. I hate that I'm like living, like my life has been impover, impoverished like these, you know, the, the, the enemies come and rob my life and, you know, I'm, I'm hiding all the time. I don't know who I am. I feel scared. I feel timid and I don't know who I am. And all I knew to do was say, okay, God, if you're real, you can have it now. And I cried out to God just like these did. And then this is what happens. Let's go to verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down. Wouldn't you just like an angel come and sit down right now next to you? I don't know how I'd respond if that happened. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah. I want to say that was Oprah. Like, What's Oprah doing in this? That belonged to Joash. The abysm. I say that. Abizarite, all right? Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, I was talking to Sarah about this, and, and she was saying to me, because I'll give her the credit, she said, You know, Gideon gets a bad name. He's often seen as timid and scared, and, but actually, he was quite wise. Actually, he was doing something about the issue and he was hiding things and doing some work. So actually, he wasn't really a bad person. Yes, he had some issues, but there's some good things in Gideon as well. And here's the deal, church. We might have a past, we might have a history, but there's some good things in us that God wants to pull out. And that's his heart. And he sees Gideon, but he has to do something in his life to make him become who he should be. Just like me, I had a name, Duca, but really my name was Paul. And I needed to grow in my identity, not as Paul, but in my identity as a child of God. So God comes to him and he gives him a new name. He says, mighty warrior. Anybody in here feeling weak this morning? Need to know that God is with you. Whether you believe it or not, God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you may feel weak, you may feel timid, you may feel you know, impoverished, you may think, oh, why has everything happened in my life like this? Some of which is your own choices and that's why it is the way it is. Some of it is not your own choices and we'll look at that in a minute. But God comes to him and breathes new life into him. He says, mighty warrior. You know, another translation says this, mighty hero. You're going to be a hero. Yeah, you look at your life, you think, well, I'm not really that. I don't feel like a married warrior. No, but that's what God says you're going to become. And for many of us, God gives us a new name. And we begin to learn what our new name is. We begin to learn what God says about us. You see, the people of Israel weren't always called Israel. They came from Jacob. Jacob got a new name and they called him Israel, which means to struggle with God or to rule with God. You see, the people of God had forgotten that God was ultimately God 
and he was no longer ruling in and through them. And that's the issue with us churches, to allow God's rule in and through us as we submit to God. So, my first point is this, God decides your name. Not your past, not even your future, not even actually your natural parents, but God has authority to name you. You're his child, you're his creation, you're loved in the eyes of God. Who is naming you this morning? Who is the one who names you this morning? Because if we understand who God is, we understand that he's the one who names us, then we'll grow in our identity and we'll grow in authority. You know, over time our identity changes. But when we meet God, we're never the same. And I want to say to you this morning, you may have things going on in your life, but if you've encountered God, you're not the same. You have a new name. And if you have a new name, you're not the same. Are you hearing that? And, and circumstances might not be how you want them, but you've been given a new name. And you need to hold on to that name and proclaim it by faith that this is who I am. You see, Gideon is then called to become a mighty warrior and to see the nation of Israel overcome and rule. So first of all, God decides your name. Has God decided your name? Or are you still looking back at your experiences in life and thinking, I'll never be this. Can I encourage you? Allow your Father in heaven to name you. Allow the word of God to permeate your mind and your heart so you can discover who you are in this world. That you have a purpose in this world. You don't just exist. You have a purpose in this world. Who is naming you? Is the world naming you or is God naming you? If you compare yourself to other people, you'll begin to pull yourself down. Don't do that. Look at the word of God and see what God says about you. Because God will lift you. He's a father who wants to build you. He wants to hold you. He wants to, he wants to get close to you. He wants you to know him. He's a loving God who never leaves you nor forsakes you. Who has named you? God decides your name. Don't you find that good? If you've got a new name... You're not the same. You might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Or maybe you're still feeling trapped in this world. You're still like, you're still struggling. Maybe you've not allowed God to rule in and through you. Maybe you're still holding on to your life and saying, no, I don't quite trust God yet. Can I, can I encourage you to let go and trust God? You know, if there's one small area of your life that you've left with God or you've left to the enemy, the enemy still has you. Ben, just stand up for a minute. You know, I can talk to Ben and, you know, and, and I, can pretend, I can pretend I'm the devil and I want to tempt him, right? I'm not the devil. Some of you might think I am. But I, I, we get tempted. You know, I've got a new name. I've got a new life and I'm not the same. But then I'm going to go back to live the way I used to live. And God's saying, no, 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 I'll give you a new name. Daughter of God, child of God, don't compromise your life anymore. Don't settle for second best. Don't go and sleep with somebody who, who, when you're not married. Don't go back. I'm giving you a new name. But sometimes the temptation is, Ben, come here. We get tempted. Give me a hand. Uh, he doesn't know what I'm doing. Right? Now, now, Ben's on a walk from over there to over there, but he's just given me, the devil, a little area of his land, of his life. And now carry on, Ben. All I've got is just that little bit of his life. But he doesn't feel like he can carry on. Because I have that little area. It's called a stronghold. 
little part of his mind that thinks wrong, doesn't think as God says he should be. And all of a sudden he thinks, I can't do this anymore because I have this little incy bit of his life that he compromised with. And see, Ben, you're not going anywhere. Are you hearing me? But he needs to remind himself he has a new name. He needs to go to his father who is tremendously forgiving and compassionate and releases him out of the grip of the enemy through the blood of Jesus. Does this make sense? And you need to remind yourself, my name is not from this world. It's not from the devil. The devil might say I'm not good enough, but God says I am good enough. Because he says I'm a mighty warrior in him. And I might look at myself. Gideon does this. He looks at himself and he says, yeah, but my clan is the weakest. And he says, I am the weakest in my clan, in my family. I'm just a little thing. So God says to him, you're mighty. That's his new name. Gideon says, no, I'm weak. You see, it's a transition of a renewal of the mind to believe what the word of God says. God says, you're mighty. Yeah, but I'm just looking at my natural ability and where I'm from. My parents name me, my past name me, we're poor, we're always inadequate, we're never going to get there. Well, God says, I speak abundance into you. I breathe new life into you. I say what you can become in me, not in your past. God decides our name. Who's naming you this morning? I've got six minutes. I should have done 40 minutes on this, but there you go. Learning to grow in your God-given authority comes from understanding where your identity comes from. Your Father in heaven is the one who named you. Don't let anybody else name you. Allow him to name you. You're a child of God. You're loved by God. This is who we are. The second point is this. Knowing God, and I've touched on it. Knowing God gives us a confidence Anybody want some confidence? Gideon, I'm just the least. Oh, I can't do it. God's like, I've told you what I've said about you. Let's go back to it. You're a mighty man in me. You're a mighty woman. You're a great husband. You're a great father. You're a great friend. You're a great mother. Stop comparing. Stop comparing your children to other children. Remind yourself that you can become a great mother. But knowing God gives us a confidence. Judges chapter 6 verse 14 says this. Gideon is struggling with his inadequacy. And then he says, God says this to him. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Wow. Who sends you? Who has sent you into your workplace? Who has sent you into your home? Who has sent you into that difficult situation? The difficult situation you're in right now and you feel that you're not going to get out of it. God says, I have sent you. I have sent you into this world. And I know what happens in life. We look at situations, we think, God, where are you? Because I've prayed for this, but this is happening. If you know the story of Gideon, you'll know that God does some work in and around him to get him to that place of confidence in God. What does he do? We haven't got time to read the scripture, but this is basically what happens. Gideon says, I have an army to take with me, 30,000 Israelite soldiers. Woohoo, sounding good. I'm following God now. Great, God gives me a big, strong army. 
The Midianites and the rest of them were like 130,000, something like that. The ratio was four to one. I mean, I'm not very good at fighting, right? I've I, I got to admit, someone punched me in the face, I'll probably cry, okay? I'm not, ad, I'm not advocating that we fight in life, but here's the deal. Four to one isn't a good ratio. And if it was me, I'd be like, God, you're making me into a mighty warrior. Give me more, give me more, give me more, God. Bless me, God. Let the people see that I have faith because your favor is upon me. Bring increase. Anybody like that? I need to see it with my natural eyes, God. My circumstances need to match up to that you are mighty and you've got more than enough. So what does he do? He says to them, and he takes them to this hill where it's called like shaking. And God says to him, right, those who are shaking and fearful, I want them to go back home. So 20,000 go back home and he's left with 10,000. It's about 13 to 1 now. In the mean, God, where are you? You say you're with me. You say you're going to do a work. You said you want to rule in and through me. But all of a sudden, my army is decreasing. Has anybody ever felt like that in life? God, you say you're God and you say you want to get me give you confidence. I'm losing my confidence in you now, God, because everything's kind of crumbling around me. Anybody felt like that? Ah. And then God says to him, nah, doesn't say like that. Nah, you're still too many. What I want you to do is go to the water and those who drink with their hands and those who drink, lap it up straight from the water. Those who drink with their hands, I want them to stay with you. Paraphrased. So this is what happens. 300 drink from their hands. I mean, come on, God. You're making a mighty army. We're going to take this city. We've gone from 30,000 to 10,000. Now we're down to 300. What the heck is happening? God, where are you? I've been praying and praying and praying and you're dwindling my army. Things happening in my life. I've got loss in my life. I've got death in my life. Things are happening and I'm like, God, where are you? Are you real now? You said I've got a new name. You say I'm never going to be the same. But all of a sudden things in my life and circumstances aren't going the way that I would plan them to go. But what is he doing? He's trying to give us a confidence in him, not in us. Not in our circumstances, not in this world, not even in our past. God wants to teach us something way deeper than actually this world. He wants to teach us who he is. He says, I am sending you. I send you, as my ambassador Paul says. I am sending you in my confidence as my child loved by me. If the world doesn't love you, I still love you. And until you get that, you're not going to get it because you're going to keep looking for it in the world. And God says, what I want you to do is come back to me. When the things dwindle, come back to me. When the scenes decrease, come back to me because I want to bring increase in your life. You think it's not happening? It is happening. It's happening, it's just that your focus needs to be on God and on your Father who promises never to leave you nor forsake you, to make you fruitful. David says this in Psalm 27, I've got 52 seconds, I've got to do it quick. Psalm 27, David says this. You know, David is promised great things to be a king, he's anointed. You think, wow, I'm going to be a mighty warrior. I took down Goliath, it's going to get amazing. And this is what happens, he finds himself and he writes things about his situation He says, do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, the enemies, for false witnesses rise up against me. Has anybody had things said about them that weren't very kind? Spouting malicious accusations. But then he says this. One of my favorite scriptures. Yet, on one version. I remain confident of this. Where's he getting his confidence from? It's not in his circumstances. It's not from his enemy. It's not from his past. He's getting his confidence from God. There's something in his heart that's filled with courage that he can only get from God. And his heart is filled with hope and with a future that says, I will give you goodness. 
Wow. You know, sometimes in life things don't go the way we, we want them to go. We've all got pain, amen? You think, why pain? Why do I have to lose someone? Or why, do, why, why me that can't have children? And we have this label that the world puts on us that we're not, you know, we, we're not fruitful, so we're not good because we can't have children. But those who have more children are more fruitful, so they must be blessed. And that's a hard issue for some of us. But here's the deal. God wants to make you fruitful in and through what you're going through. I don't have children. Well, God wants to give you more fruit. Why? Why does he let these things happen? Here's the deal. Philippians chapter 1 says this. I haven't got it on the screen. Can I ask the person on keys to come up for me? Sorry, I've just changed what I'm doing slightly. I do apologize. In Philippians, Paul writes this. And I heard this recently. Somebody who'd lost a son. Big pastor in America. Lost his son through suicide. In the end of the day, he has a choice what he does in life. And how to respond to it. And he shared this scripture recently. And it says this. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters... That everything, this is Paul writing in prison. That everything that has happened to me here has helped the spread of the good news. A man who's in prison, a man who's in chains, writes like David, yet I have a confidence in God. For everyone here, including the whole palace guards that are watching him, knows that I am in chains because of Jesus Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak message without fear. This pastor said this. He said, losing my son has been the worst thing in my life. But he says, but here's what I've learned as I put my trust in God. God has given me more opportunities to preach the gospel and more people are getting saved in and through my difficulties. Why? Because it's an opportunity for me to bear fruit in the kingdom of God in and through things that I wouldn't put myself through normally. He's preached on major TV programs. He's been in major magazines to share this story about the goodness of God and many people have come to faith. And I know it's not easy, church. I know we go through things in life and we think, why do we have to go through this? I'm here to tell you, God is with you in and through it. And he wants to give you a confidence in him, not your circumstances. So he can lift you in and through it and help you to bear fruit so that you become a different person. Gideon is, it was decreased, 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 decreased. Why is this happening, God? Why are you doing it this way? And God says, I'm doing it so that Israel doesn't boast, but it's me that does it. I will give you the victory. I will get you through it. I will lift you above. I will bring you healing. I will bring, you know, help and support and and whatever you need in and through your situation so that you can bear witness to me. You know, recently, I'm going over. Olivia came to me and she said, Dad, 
I want to build something with Lego. I like playing with Lego. It's probably the only thing in the house that doesn't involve dolls and pink stuff, me growing up with girls. But um, she said, I want to build something with Lego. I said, okay. Now, understanding the Lego's all been broken down, there's billions of pieces all over the place. She, and she says, I want to build this boat. And I said, okay, we'll build a boat. I says, where's the booklet to follow the instructions? She says, I haven't got one. I'm like, oh my word. Millions of pieces, no booklets. I said, what can we do? We haven't got a book. We haven't got a book. We've got no guidance. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know who we are. We don't know where we're going. So I said, let's go on the internet. And we found one in the internet. Hallelujah for the internet. We found the booklet. And then I said, well, we're going to have to get all the pieces out of it and sort them out. So we're there for hours looking for each piece. And then it made me realize this is what life is like. We've all had problems. We've all been muddled up in the world. We've all got stuff in our lives that we don't want and God doesn't want us to have. And he needs to remove those things out of our lives. But then there's good things that he's pulling out of us and say, see, there's good in you. See, there's a mighty warrior in there. See, there's a child of God who's loved in there. And I want to teach you to love others like I have loved you. And I'm pulling the things out of the mess. And then I'm, what I'm teaching you to do is how to put it all together and live your life the way I want you to live through the word of God. And he, and he uses this to guide us as children of God. Can I encourage you? Have a confidence in God. Have a passion for his word over your life that says you're a child of God, you're loved by God. Don't listen to your past. Don't listen to accusations and things that are said. Listen to what God says about you. Because God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He loves you more than anything. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Jesus was accused of many things. He's the master at it. But it says God honoured him and lifted him up. So he's the name above all names. Whatever name you've got, God is above it. Whatever you've done in life, God is above it. He's the name above all names. And he will decide your eternity. He will decide your destiny. Nobody else has authority over that. Only God himself has the power to determine where you go. He's the name above all names. Come on, church. We're going to stand and we're going to praise God.